Let's, uh, let's again ask the Lord for his help. Father, we are grateful for the privilege to be together in fellowship. We're uh, grateful for the freedoms that we uh, still experience, the opportunity to be publicly gathered together, to have your word open before us. And, and so we would, again, just cast ourselves upon you for your blessing and for your help, that your uh, Holy Spirit would help to enlighten us concerning uh, what you would have us to do. We pray for your blessing. We pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, uh, to start our thoughts this morning, I want to turn to Acts chapter 6. Uh, things we know, things we've um, um, thought about lots as we think about the um, the hearts of the men that are here today. The hearts of the men is obviously we're here to be able to uh, be encouraged. We've thought about that, but to be able to help others, right? That's the uh, challenge today uh, is to be able to be a help to those people who are around us, help to uh, people in our own assemblies, those that the Lord has uh, given us to uh, care over, to take care of, and so the need for help. Now, I'm not sure if you keep uh, track of uh, where messages are preached from uh, at area elders. Uh, does anybody do that? No? Okay. Um, maybe somebody does, but uh, I wonder how many times Acts chapter 6 may have come up. I mean, as we think of leadership and we think of uh, the challenges of leadership. Uh, hey, Acts chapter 6 is an important part of the Word of God. And and uh, so it's not something that you've never heard before that we're going to uh, be reminded of uh, from Acts chapter 6. Uh, we were reminded in prayer of the challenge of unity. Well, that's what's challenged at the very beginning, right? The very beginning of the work of God is it's the unity of the saints that's challenged. And so let's just read together. It says, in those days, verse 1, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And we know that this passage ends with um, the unity being restored and another great movement forward in the work of God. I mean, I love this verse uh, seven, then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Um, you know, it's interesting as we think back to the cross of the Lord Jesus. Hey, what happened to most of the people that were at the cross of the Lord Jesus? Uh, well, I think it's fair to say most of them were saved. You think that's true? That most of the people that were at the cross of the Lord Jesus were saved? Um, well, I say, well, that's a bit of a stretch. What are you, a universalist? I say, well, no, I'm not a universalist. I would, a universalist say they all got saved. Not saying they all got saved, but hey, most of them. Uh, how many thieves were there? Uh, you say, well, there were two. Well, there were actually three. The Lord Jesus died on a, the cross of one of the thieves. He actually died on the cross of the leader. Uh, so, hey, at 
very least, if there was two, half of them were saved. I think there were probably three, and maybe I, I would suspect that um, uh, the Barabbas was converted. You can't imagine that Barabbas isn't in heaven, would you? I mean, uh, I, he heard the vote. Where do you think he went after he was set free? I can't imagine that he didn't go to Calvary. And he physically looked at the man who physically took his place. <laughs> That's what uh, uh, the conversion message is, right? That the Lord Jesus took my place in the cross. Well, he physically took Barabbas' place. So uh, I-, I suspect Barabbas will be in heaven. In fact, I'll be surprised if he's not. Uh, so that would be 66% of that group. Hey, what about most of the priests? Right here. Most of the priests were converted. Now, not that day. Um, what about the multitudes? Well, hey, we read the book of Acts and we see that there were thousands of people, right? I mean, the number about 3,000, about 5,000. And then from there, it moves to multitudes. If people say, how many were in a multitude? I say, well, I don't know how many, but more than 5,000. Because it numbers about 3,000, about 5,000, then this huge multitude. So, hey, lots of people that were at the cross were converted. And so now we see the movement of God uh, work forward or move forward forward here, and it's the unity being restored. And so we just want a couple of points from here. Um, first of all, all work in the work of God is spiritual, right? It's not just praying and preaching, hey, ministering to widows, physically ministering to widows. It, it's a spiritual work, right? It was men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, that we're going to be ministering to the daily needs of the widows. So it's all spiritual work. There's not anything as we work with the Lord's people that's not spiritual. Uh, then the other rule that we want to principle from this passage that we want to use is um, the need for, notice the order, prayer and the ministry, the word of God. Um, you know, sometimes... Uh, Meet people they say, you know, I want to help somebody. I want to help a brother or sister in the assembly, but I don't know what to say. Say, so, well, hey, have you talked to the Lord about it? Uh, well, not really. Say, so, well, maybe, maybe we need to spend some time talking to the Lord, right? Prayer and the ministry of the Lord. That's when we're dealing this way, right? The order is prayer and the ministry of the Lord. What about when we're thinking this way? Is it the same order when we're thinking this way? Well, actually not. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, as um, Paul is uh, reminding Timothy how we're sanctified, right? How we're sanctified. Do you remember the order there? It's the word of God and prayer. Hey, George Mueller had this figured out, didn't he? Hey, George Mueller knew that. And you've read this lots of times. Lots of people have this, right? I mean, I just seen not that long ago in a magazine, uh, uh, a magazine, the brother and uh, edit and send send forward. It was this this clip of George Mueller, this uh, this clip or this paragraph, lengthy paragraph from his his biography of this idea that he came to the realization that early in his life, um, early in his life, he tried to pray, right? Get up in the morning, the need for prayer, try to pray, and then he came to this realization that his his life of uh, his prayer life needed to be needed to be. Uh, based in the word of God. And so he would have a short prayer and then he would spend time in the word and pray the word, right? And this change, this was life changing for him. So as we think about the order this way, 
in working with our brothers and sisters in this great spiritual work. It's prayer first and the word of God. But when we think of our relationship this way, it's the word of God first that forms my uh, prayer life. So we want to take that. We want to be a help. So we're going to, um, with that in mind, we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 1. And um, we see the need for praying. And we're going to read how Paul, the apostle, prayed for the saints. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, verse 9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. And so this, as we think of uh, the need for prayer, the apostles praying in Acts chapter 6, hey, we would assume that they prayed like the apostle Paul prayed, right? That the early apostles from Acts chapter 6 most likely prayed just like the apostle Paul. And so uh, this is very insightful for us. You know, this is, um, this is how he prayed for the saints. Now, you heard this pointed out many times that, hey, the Apostle Paul never deals with the problem in the assembly in the first chapter. In fact, that's never the way he deals. He always starts with doctrine, right? He always does that. Because uh, as John Philip says, hey, listen, doctrine forms behavior, Right? I mean, hey, we uh, 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 are challenged in, in Canada that, that the young people in our country, often they act like animals. Say, well, hey, they've been being taught for years in the public school system that they are animals, just the highest form of evolution. And so it shouldn't be a surprise that they're acting like animals. So doctrine forms behavior. So the Apostle Paul starts with doctrine. What is that in Philippians? He hasn't talked about the problem Yet in chapter one, what is the problem in Philippi? Uh, well, the problem in Philippi is the lack of unity, right? Now, Jack didn't read it in chapter four, but it's just the verse before, right? And it's um, two sisters that have had a falling out. Now, William Kelly points out that um, there's no sin in the book of Philippians. So the... Uh, Lack of unity in chapter four amongst those two sisters or between those two sisters, you know what it is. It's um, in how the work of God moves forward or method, right? And actually, Paul says, uh, you need to help those sisters, you know, because both of them were involved in the work of God. Hey, we know that's the case, isn't it, right? That often uh, the struggle I have with, Another brother, uh, as a preacher, is the way he preaches, right? Or uh, maybe, hey, lots of brothers have a problem with me in the way that I preach, and so the method is the issue. But that not necessarily means sin. Hey, sin is, the Bible's always clear about sin. It's to confess and to forsake. And so the, the lack of unity there in uh, chapter 4 is in the way the work of God moves forward. So, um, Paul understands there's this need for discerning, knowledgeable, or knowledgeable, discerning love. That's what's going to help them, right? Uh, when the saints get this, 
the leadership in the assembly at Philippi gets this. This is going to be a huge help to these sisters in moving forward. Um, the book of Philippians is about twos, right? Uh, two is always the uh, number associated with unity or fellowship, right? Right, it's, um, uh, you know, you've heard some, some, I'm sure, point out that, you know, one, that's an individual, another, that's fellowship. So you have, uh, uh, you've heard lots of messages on all the one another's, right, the scriptures. Um, two is the number of fellowship. Uh, it's the uh, prerequisite for a witness in the Old Testament, it had to be in the, 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 the words of two or three witnesses. Uh, it's the uh, bare minimum number for assembly fellowship in Matthew, right? Uh, where two or three are gathered together. And so uh, it seems to be a key for uh, working through um, uh, Philippians. It's a, it's a Paul and Timothy, right? It's to the, uh, so that's two. Uh, you're, you notice it's to the saints, but, but he, he, he's distinct with the um, elders and the deacons. So there's, uh, there's two, um, in chapter, uh, in chapter two, he talks about, uh, Timothy and Epaphroditus, you know, that's a, a chapter on, on, uh, doctrine. And as Paul always thought about doctrine, it's good to, it's good to be reminded as he thought about doctrine, he could always think about certain individuals who, um, who reflected that doctrine. Like nobody reflected all the doctrines of the Bible, but as he thought of, um, of a brother who is willing to lay down his life for the saints, he could think of a man like that. Uh, uh, when he thought about uh, somebody whose, whose, whose passion and concern was for the care of the saints, he could think about somebody who, who was like that. And so uh, his doctrines, uh, he always could think about somebody who reflected all these various views or uh, graces of the Lord Jesus. Uh, I don't know if you've ever... Um, I've looked at Harry Ironside's commentary on on um, Proverbs. You remember as he goes through and talks about all the, the doctrines, you can always think of a story most times, right? Or a, a, an illustration from the Bible of somebody who, who did those things, right? And so uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, he was that. Uh, so two in um, two men in chapter two, uh, two women we already thought about in, in chapter four. Uh, more importantly here in chapter one, two time periods, right? Two time periods. Uh, that sort of um, the so-called honeymoon stage, right? The honeymoon stage of, of Christian life. You know, that uh, that's in um, verse five. He said, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, right? That's one time period. And then um, the second time period, the time period connected with his prayer, is from now until the day of Christ. And so, uh, yeah, it's good to be reminded of the honeymoon stage, right? That's the, um, uh, you know, time when we were converted, right? You remember that's uh, kind of reflective of Israel. Uh, you know, that's uh, uh, Exodus 15. Hey, What's going on in Exodus chapter 15? Uh, the Lord has saved them. And uh, hey, more importantly than that, I mean, hey, they're glad of that, but he's killed all their enemies, right? That's what they're singing about, right? I will sing unto the Lord. He's trying gloriously the horse and rider 
fallen into the sea. And so, you know, we think about that in our lives, that, that sort of first stage. And, and, you know, there's love associated with that for sure. Um, but some of it's pretty self-motivated. I mean, you know, you've heard preachers say this, that, um, hey, when you trusted Christ for your salvation, that potentially could have been the most selfish thing you ever did. Right? I mean, you were just thinking about your sorry soul and what was the potential for the life you lived. I mean, you can't say, I mean, that it was love for Christ, that you loved him. That's why you received him. Hey, when you, when you or I heard the consequences for our sin, hey, we got saved. And, and so, you know, you have this in, in the life of Israel. Uh, you have this even in the, the church at Philippi. Hey, they were excited. You know, in Acts chapter uh, 16, you read that account. Hey, great things were going on. I mean, the Lord was saving women. He was saving jailers. He was saving their whole families. And the work was moving forward. And hey, the saints were glad. Hey, uh, Philippians is written about 11 years later. And so um, maybe the shine's coming off a little bit. And so uh, what can God, through the Apostle Paul, give the saints to, to move them forward? Well, it's... um discerning love, right? Knowledgeable, discerning love, agape love, not, not earthly love. Hey, the Lord Jesus was very aware, aware uh, there was a such thing as earthly love. You know, he could think of, of examples. You know, he could say in the Old Testament of a, a mother uh, uh, forgetting her sucking child. You know, why would he use that as an illustration? Well, that was to uh, the Old Testament prophet, um, the highest form of human love. This idea of a mother for her nursing child. Hey, the Lord Jesus, um, he could talk about, you know, a man laying down his life for his friends. Well, you see that experienced. And, uh, well, hey, we think of September 11th. Hey, you think of people who, hey, yeah, there were people who were in the building who lost their lives. Hey, but there were lots of people who ran into the building for their fellow man who lost their lives. Um, that's high human love, right? The Lord Jesus is very aware of that. And that's a God-given attribute, right? Um, that's from God. But the Lord Jesus says, hey, it can get past that. Love for your enemies. Well, now you're starting to talk about agape love. And Paul says, hey, if you're going to move the saints of God forward, even just two sisters who are struggling, uh, he says, you're going to have to have discerning, knowledgeable love to do that. Um, it's interesting how, uh, how Scripture ties together. You know, um, do you remember Solomon prayed for this kind of love? Remember in 1 Kings chapter 3? Um, yeah, he prayed that uh, he saw the task, how great the task was to, to, to lead the people of God. And so um, he prayed for this uh, discernment or this ability to judge and to discern, uh, to love, to lead the saints of God. And, and, and the Lord was moved and he gave it to him. 
and so uh, you know sometimes we see uh, in scripture that there are vast tracts um, dedicated to stories we think man I don't know how that fits in but we know the spirit of God has a purpose and so that's first Kings chapter three and you're familiar with that you remember the Lord said to Solomon hey because you didn't ask for long life and and riches and all those things uh, because your heart was my heart towards my people he said I'm going to give you all those things hey do you remember what the last half of that chapter is about after Solomon in first Kings chapter 3 prays for discerning love do you remember what it's about it's about um two women isn't it yeah it's about two women coming remember they were prostitutes of course and um uh and they have this issue with this baby, right? And um, Solomon discerns between it. And so he, um, I'm not sure exactly how it all works up, but the people of God knew that the spirit of God was upon him as he was able to reconcile this relationship, to get the, the baby rightfully into the hands of the mother. So no, you, uh, you could read that story critically um, and be critical, but you know, if you read that story with discerning love and went back and and thought through that you say hey there's a lot of things going on in that lengthy lengthy section you know the um idea of a mother losing her child and stealing another one is that wrong you say yeah that's wrong for sure but um you could understand how it happened i mean she's um she's broken uh, she's got some love in her heart and she's broken hey you know that um although it's not right that hey sometimes um broken people um break other people or or maybe this way that you know that people who are hurting sometimes they hurt other people now hey we're not saying it's right but we know that it exists and so uh, god gave um Solomon this ability to bring these two back together well that's Paul's challenge um I asked um one of the um elders in our assembly I said why do you think it's always um sisters like why is it sisters in chapter four and sisters back or women back in Solomon's life and and um his view was uh, I, I thought insightful he said you know uh sisters are emotionally connected to everything that's going on uh, you know hey sometimes quite frankly brethren aren't that emotionally connected <laughs> and so um hey we hey we need some of that and, and so uh I, I again i say uh, brethren are some of that that's insightful and so these women they're emotionally connected to the work of god and because of that intensity, hey, there's this division. So you see that in uh, Solomon. You see that in in um, in Paul's dealings with the saints in Philippi. Uh, of course, we know it doesn't only happen to women, right? Did a brother never have falling out? Well, okay. Um, you know, as we think about um, this principle that that Paul could think of. Um, people who uh evidence these these graces of god so we think of discerning love hey he had somebody in his life who had discerning love do you know what his name was 
Barnabas. Hey, Barnabas had this. Do you remember how Paul and Barnabas met in Acts chapter 9? Hey, guess what? Nobody really uh, wanted Paul in the assembly. Well, when I say uh, nobody really, nobody did. Uh, but Barnabas did. Barnabas had um, this, this um, love that was growing by knowledge and discernment, and he brought the Apostle Paul in. Do you know the context of Acts chapter 16? Like, as we think of context, and, you know, at the, the assembly in Philippi started in chapter 16, right, of Acts? Hey, do you know how chapter 15 ended of Acts? Huh? Yeah. Paul and Barnabas. They had a split. Um, you know what the split was based on? How they did the work of God. That's what it was. Um, that's why it's been such a challenge for commentators to um, decide who's wrong. Because that's what people always want to do, like who's wrong in Acts chapter 15. Uh, Harold Sinjin, I thought, said it quite nicely. He said, um, Paul uh, seemed to be right in time, the event, he said, but um, Barnabas in history. I, I suggest that, that um, as Paul is writing here in Philippians chapter 1, I suspect he's already being restored to Barnabas. And it doesn't say it. Uh, we know by the end of his life, right, he certainly loved John Mark, right? Because remember, he was glad for John Mark. He was glad for um, uh, the gospel that he penned. You know, um, hey, Paul read the gospel of Mark. Hey, we got church history to show us that he had it for quite a few years before he went home to heaven. Uh, John Phillips again points out that he thought that um, maybe that's when Paul was restored to Barnabas. I, I think he already is now. Uh, here he comes to Philippi in Acts chapter 16, and he's just had a breakdown in one of his relationships. And... Um, and again, over the way the work of God was done, not over sin, right? Over the way the work of God was done, there's this falling out. And so he comes, sees the assembly started in Acts chapter 16. Um, now, 11 years later, there's a falling out. And, and so I don't, I don't um, for a minute, think that, um, that uh, Paul is correcting others about their lack of unity if he hasn't already been restored in his relationship. And so I think as he's writing this, he is thinking of Barnabas, and I think he is restored already. You don't imagine that went on for years and years. And so uh, you have this idea, hey, it's not just women. It happens with brothers. And so we want to think of, um, of this section and um, go through it. Uh, verse 9, this I pray that your love may abound still more and more. Uh, superfluity. Paul often writes about this idea of the overflow. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he talks about in our, our personal lives, um, finding our sufficiency in Christ, right? That Christ is sufficient for us in every way. But, um, you know, as you think about it, he says uh, just underneath that, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, our sufficiency in Christ uh, 
finding our sufficiency personally in Christ, just underneath that, he talks about uh, with works, it's the idea of the overflow, though, right? This idea of the overflow, that's how we can be a benefit to others. We find our sufficiency in Christ, but it's the overflow that helps other people. And so, um, hey, we know we've met people like that. Their, uh, uh, their cup is full and running over. You know, their heart is overflowing with Christ in there. It's a huge encouragement moving forward in the things of God. And so this is Paul's prayer. Their love may abound more and more. Uh, first, he says, in knowledge. And again, this idea of knowledge always comes first. I mean, knowledge is um, uh, the things we know for sure, but uh, the principles or the, the doctrines of Scripture. As uh, we thought of twos here, um, we thought of twos all the way through and, and saw that connection. So we think of um, knowledge, we would think of how that's possibly um, connected with positional truth. You know, that's a way to say it for sure, that Paul um, often unfolds to the saints what they are positionally. This becomes the basis for their practice, you know, that what God has made me, that's what I'm to become. Because of being a saint, I'm to act like that. And so it starts with knowledge. And of course, this is um, the word of God. That's the way we get our knowledge. And so, uh, you know, we think back to the beginning. We say, you know, uh, did you pray about it? I don't know what to say to that person. Well, did you pray about it? Prayer in the word of God. Uh, hey, lots of times we know as elders that... Um, uh, or you know as elders, or we see as leaders in the, in the work of God, that uh, when us or saints are not doing well, it's connected with their reading the Word of God. And so, uh, hey, we need to be challenged, and the, the, the knowledge that the, the Apostle Paul, this love that's going to grow by knowledge and discernment, is connected with the Word of God. And then discernment, um, that's connected with application, putting these things into practice. You know, that's the prayer of the Lord Jesus, that not only would we know these things, but the joy and the happiness would come with doing them, not with knowing them, but actually doing them. And so it's knowledge and discernment. Uh, then he says that you uh, may be able to approve the things that are excellent or the things that differ. And so this is um, this is always the challenge. Again, it's uh, it's it's so clear. It's not talking about sin here. You know, um, it's the good, the better, the best. And so Paul's heart is that they would be able to determine the most excellent are the best things. And so I suspect even as he's thinking of uh, chapter four and these sisters, hey, it was some kind of. Um, a falling out on how the work of God was done. Hey, spiritual people can see the work of the Spirit. And this is what he's talking about. He's not talking about the things that are wrong. Hey, um, your assembly, I've most likely never been there, but um, there's problems. And hey, often you don't need to be a spiritual Christian to see the problems. Um, I I know a story of, a brother who said um, he would never go back to the assembly because uh, he saw 
two elders after an elders meeting having a fist fight in the parking lot. And so he was offended by that, as you can well imagine. And, uh, but hey, let's be honest, we know it could happen. You know, we play, um, we play hockey, uh, or play senior hockey, and, and so, you know, you got all this intensity uh, and emotions run high, and there's lots of aggression and bumping, and so I'll always say to a guy sitting beside me, hey, if it breaks out into a French brawl, I'm, just so you know, I'm grabbing that guy, and it'll usually be the littlest guy, so I said, you go from there, that's the guy I'm grabbing, so you got to pick somebody else, so, and, and so you'll have to say, well, uh, it would never happen, hey, it could happen. And um, God forbid that it would ever happen here, but it could happen. And so, uh, but again, you don't have to be a spiritual person to see that that's wrong. Hey, the world driving by knows that's wrong. <laughs> but to see what God is doing in the lives of his people, that's what Philippians 1 is about. Hey, Paul is confident in this doctrine that he who has begun a good work it's going to finish it. Paul knew that. That tells us that here. And so this was how he was able to um, even rejoice in chapter 1 when, when people were preaching the gospel with impure motives, seeking to add to his chains. He said, yeah, I know that's not right. Hey, but I'm glad when the name of Christ is lifted up. Makes me glad. And he goes, hey, listen, I know that um, hey, when we see him, we're all going to be changed. Right? Paul knew he needed to be changed, and those people are going to be changed. And, and so this idea of, of that spiritual work to be able to discern what's going on, this is his heart, that you may be able to approve the things that are excellent. He says that you may be sincere. So he brings out three points, sincerity, without offense, and being filled with the fruits of righteousness. So sincerity, hey, that's God word. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever... Um, read much of Amy Carmichael. You know, Amy Carmichael was a, a sister whose uh, heart was to minister to um, people nobody else ministered to. Hey, she did not build on another man's foundation. Right? I mean, hey, nobody was interested spiritually in the lives of these girls that she ministered Christ to. And, you know, her, um, uh, her prayer was that um, God would make her what she appeared to everybody else to be. You know, because she was from this, from far off, idolized, if you will. I mean, just um, people were amazed at uh, what the Lord was doing through her. And so her prayer was that she would be sincere, right? That, that what she appeared to everybody who was looking, that that actually would be what she was before God. So sincerity. People don't like Amy Carmichael? <laughs> Um, sincerity. This is God word. Uh, hey, notice the order. Then without offense. Right? That's man word. Right? Um, sincerity, God word. Without offense, that's man word. Notice the order. Hey, if this is off, this can never work. Right? If this is off, this can never work. Right? So without offense, that's man word. Uh, it's till the day of Christ. Right? It's an earthly doctrine, right? When we see him, we'll all be like him. So it's for now. The notice is being filled with the fruits of righteousness. So sincerity, that's God word. Without offense, that's man word. The fruits of righteousness, that's inward. 
southward. And that's what the Lord is doing. Um, why do difficult people come to assemblies, churches? Well, hey, first of all, everybody's difficult at some level. Uh, some people just come to church. Hey, but there's difficulty in the workplace. There's difficulty in families. I know lots of families that, that don't know the Lord. Uh, they have absolutely no resources to deal with reconciliation, and um, yet they've never celebrated a holiday together for 20 years because of something that was said 20 years ago. So this idea that this is just inside the church, I mean, that's laughable. It's everywhere. So there's problems. But fruit is southward. And so that's the work of the Spirit. So we ask the question, why do difficult people come? Well, hey, often to change you, change me. That's how the Lord does it. Uh, difficult circumstances come up and the Lord uses that to change me. So fruits of righteousness. And we want to make sure we make a distinction between fruits and works. Hey, works, your works are going to be tried judged by fire. My works are going to be judged, tried by fire, but not my fruit. That's different. Fruit is what? Fruit is the, um, uh, always the New Testament writers, the um, inner man, the character, right? The change into the image of Christ. Hey, this is a process, right? This is clearly a process. This is what Peter talks about, you know, add to your faith all of these things, that inward character. It's not apart from uh, the word of God, of course, because remember at the beginning, Paul talks about knowledge. Well, how does this change come? Paul says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians that as we uh, see the glory of the Lord in the word of God, as in a mirror, we're changed into his image. That's character. And so the fruits of righteousness, and, and you know that the... Um, heart of the Lord Jesus, the heart of the Lord Jesus is that we would bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit, right? This idea of this ongoing change. Um, this is not, uh, as we think of sincerity, this is, this is God word without offense. This is man word. We think of fruit that's southward or inward. Uh, turn back to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so um, we thought of sincerity, that's God word. We thought of without offense, that's man word. We thought of fruits of righteousness, this was Paul's prayer, uh, that's self word. Okay, well, that's how the... Um, nine fruit of the spirit break up too, right? The first three, Godward, love, joy, peace, right? That's Godward. That's what he does. Uh, the second three, uh, long suffering, kindness, goodness. That's manward, right? Uh, we want to be known as um, a long suffering, kind and good. Well, that's the saints that are the recipients. They get the benefit of that. What about you personally? Remember, we thought of this in uh, southward. Well, um, faithful, gentle, self-control. That's why my um, heart is so thrilled when people say you're one of the 
gentlest, faithfulest, self-controlled brethren I know. Say, well, um, okay, so I mean, that would be nice if somebody ever said that. Nobody's ever said that. <laughs> I've tried to get my wife to say it, and she said never. Um, but, you know, this idea of southward, right? Um, and so, hey, but I can think of people in my life that have these graces. I think of a faithful brother. I have a friend who's um, in assembly fellowship. He's 80. And uh, I said, how long have you been in assembly fellowship, brother? He said, uh, 80 years. I'm like, you are 80. He says, Rob, I've never, not ever been at the assembly. I was in the assembly every Sunday, every midweek meeting in my mother's womb. My parents never missed a meeting. I've always been there. Yeah, I wasn't converted. He understands that, but he's always been in the assembly. I think here's a brother who's uh, faithful. I said, have you seen problems? He's like, Rob, always ongoing, but the Lord is good and he moves us through that. And so um, Paul's prayer to the saints, as they sought to be a help to the other saints in assembly fellowship, is that they might have this agape love. They might get past that human that human love, that first sort of stage, and enter the second stage. And it's the hard one. It's the hard one. That's why, hey, often it's, uh, it seems easier to move along and start something fresh. But hey, listen, all those problems are going to follow. Because the Lord is using those uh, to, to change us, uh, to move us along into the image of Christ, because he is concerned about our character, Right? And that's what we're going to have for eternity, our character. Hey, we hope we have some works left over after the fire. But hey, you'll never, as you're changing the image of Christ, the, the fruit of righteousness, that's going to exist for all of eternity. And so we want to be challenged in our thinking about these things. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we're um, grateful for uh, our relationship with you through the person of your son. Um, we're reminded from scripture that those who have that relationship should um, be involved in uh, seeing others reconciled, seeing other relationships um, moved along. And so we want to be a help to the people of God. We want to be a help to one another. Thank you for each uh, brother that's here, for each family that's represented, for each assembly that's represented. We're thankful for the um, promise of the Lord Jesus. 2,000 years ago, that he would um, build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We just ask that you would help us to be fellow laborers together with him. We pray in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.